Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. We're going to be in the book of Acts tonight, the book of Acts. And uh, tonight we're going to be uh, um, continuing. We were here last week. We didn't get finished with the book of Acts last week. So we're going to be here again. And uh, tonight we are talking about, from the book of Acts, we are talking about the doings of the apostles. What in the world does that mean? We'll get to that in just a moment. The doings of the apostle. Doings. Oh, wow. Where in the world do I come up with all these things? Well, we'll see. Okay. Mark chapter three, before we get to Acts chapter one again, in Mark chapter three, the Bible says, and Jesus went up on the mountain. That's right outside of Capernaum. Many of you have been with me there to the Mount of Beatitudes. It's probably that very same mountain, just a hill, just uh, off the Sea of Galilee that goes up uh, in, 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 um, uh, northward there outside the city of Capernaum. Jesus went up on a mountain. He called to him those he himself wanted and they came to him. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. Are you ready? Verse 16, Simon to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, and Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him, and they went into a house. Wow. Why did I mention that? Because we are talking about the Acts, uh, the book of Acts, which is uh, the Acts of the Apostles. That's what it connotates. That's the, that's the given name for this particular book that we're going through. That's the very common name. Uh, and so let's look again at these apostles. If we're going to be reading and going through the acts of the apostles, let's, let's remember there was Simon Peter. Okay. Sometimes people get the disciples all mixed up. They get these apostles all mixed up because in different places they're called by different names. Okay. But there's just 12 of them. There's not 15 or 20 of them. Okay. These guys. Okay. There's Simon Peter. There's James who is the son of Zebedee. Okay. That's one of the Jameses. There are, some, there are plenty of Jameses in the Bible, okay? Uh, James, one of the James, uh, you know, James was a pastor of the church in Jerusalem that wrote the book of James is not in here. He's not one of the disciples, okay? That's not one of the James. This, this James uh, is, is James, the son of Zebedee, that was from the town of Bethsaida. His daddy owned a fishing uh, business, and he and his brother, John, the apostle John, son of Zebedee as well, they worked with their father and Jesus called them right off the fishing boat to be his disciple. There was Andrew that was Simon Peter's brother, Philip, who was from the town of Bethsaida. There were five apostles from the town of Bethsaida, a little town on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. There was a fishing village that sits right on the Jordan River where the Jordan River pours coming from the north and pours into the Galilee, the Sea of Galilee. It sits right there at that place where the Jordan River meets the Galilee. And uh, then there was Bartholomew, but sometimes, uh, you know, uh, a.k.a., also known as, 
if any of you don't have any uh, police history, okay? Uh, this is Bartholomew, a.k.a. Nathaniel. In some places you'll read that his name is Nathaniel, okay? There's Matthew, who is also known as Levi. Thomas Didymus, who was also called in some translations the twin. Then there's another James, who's the son of Alphaeus, who's also not the guy that wrote the book of James. Then there's Thaddeus. Some places he's called Thaddeus in the Gospels. Some places he, he's called uh, uh, Lebes. Some places he's known as Jude. He wrote the book of Jude. Okay. A.K.A. Judas, the brother of James. And he's also in one of the scriptures called James, not Iscariot. Or Judas, rather, not Iscariot. Okay. Uh, he's also known as Jude, Judas, Judas, the brother of James, and Judas, not Iscariot. Interesting, huh? By the way, do you all know what Iscariot means? That's not his last name. You know that? Judas Iscariot. Okay. The Hebrew word for suburbs is cryote. The plural Hebrew word for suburb, suburb, cryote. Suburbs, karyot. Judas, S from Kiriot, Judas from the suburbs. That's, who, that's, that's how we know him. That's literally what it means. Yeah, isn't it interesting? Do y'all find that interesting? You always thought it was his last name probably, didn't you? No, not his last name. It's where he's from. In fact, do you know Peter's last name? Peter is not only uh, uh, Simon, who he surnamed Peter, but he's also called Simon Bar-Jonah. Bar means son of Jonah, uh, John is exactly what it means, okay? So his name was Johnson, Simon Peter Johnson. That's his full name, Johnson. Bar-Jonah, John's son, that's what it means. Interesting, huh? Don't y'all like those little things? Have you? Hey, Simon Johnson. <laughs> no? Judas from the suburbs. Simon, the Canaanite, he's also known as Simon Zelotes, the zealot, okay, in other scriptures. And also then Judas Iscariot who betrayed Jesus with a kiss for 30 pieces of silver. Now, the book of Acts is commonly called the Acts of the Apostles. It may be written so in your Bible. It may be, you know, it, it is in most of them. And Luke is the author. Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Luke is the author of the book of Luke that was his first letter to a man named Theophilus. Theophilus was evidently a very prominent man to which Luke wanted to introduce Christ to. And so Luke, who is known in the scriptures from the apostle Paul as the beloved physician, Luke was not one of the disciples. He was not one of the apostles. Luke, as we understand, was a doctor, which in that time may have even been relegated to servant status because it made him a servant of others. So there were people that they pulled out of servant status and made them doctors. Are you with me? Okay. It doesn't necessarily mean that he was at the top echelon of his income or of his abilities. He could have been a servant 
because he was not born a Jew. He, it, 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 it in, there are some indications he may have converted to Judaism at some point, but there's no real evidence for that. But Luke is the only Gentile that wrote anything in the New Testament. He wrote the book of Luke as a first letter to an important man important to him. He could have been a benefactor. He could have been some former employer. We don't know who he was, but he, some people believe that he was some, you know, uh, important Roman uh, 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 political person. We don't know, but we do know that he was important enough for Luke to spend the majority of his time, whether he financed Luke on all of the missionary journeys that he followed Paul on, we don't know. We don't know whether Paul made an agreement with him that if you let Luke go with me and help us on all of our journeys, we'll make sure you get in a written account of all this. We don't know. But we do know that Luke went and interviewed eyewitnesses of the accounts of what Jesus did. And then he wrote a letter back to this man named Theophilus. And he wrote to him about all the things Jesus did. That's what the book of Luke is. Look, look at all these things Jesus did. You know, uh, in, in, from the town of Bethlehem, I mean, you know, from John the Baptist all the way through being born, you know, and all the things that he did and, you know, his temptations and, and then on through, you know, the healings and the miracles and all the way. And then, uh, you know, uh, the, the, his, his journeys and, and, and calling disciples and, and you know, and, and giving them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and heal diseases and all the other things all the way, uh, you know, and, and, until his death, burial, and resurrection resurrection and then how he appeared, you know, after his resurrection to the disciples. I mean, Luke wrote all of that all right up to the point to where Jesus went up and ascended heaven in, in, into heaven from the Mount of Olives. And he sealed that letter and sent it to Theophilus as letter number one. Okay. We know it as the gospel according to Luke. Well, it seemed to Luke that the miracles that Jesus was doing did not stop with his death burial, with his resurrection, or with his ascension. That he just kept on working, but he kept working through his servants, through the, the, the apostles. He kept and continued working. By the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus kept on directing them in what to do and, and then fulfilling his, his, his commission. And so Luke decided to sit down and write a second letter to the same man, Theophilus. And to tell Theophilus what Jesus was continuing to do after he went to heaven through his servants by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we have this second letter. And this second letter, when Luke wrote this second letter, he didn't write on the top of the letter, you know, uh, the, the title, Acts of the Apostles. Okay? He didn't write that. It's not, uh, that is not as we understand by any divine uh, um, Affixing. That is not a divine title. It is a title that's been accepted by the church in the ages, but it creates a little misrepresentation of what this book is about. I don't want to throw you any curves here, but the Acts of the Apostles. Acts is not laws or something like that. It means doings, do the doings of the apostles. That's why I've got my message tonight, the doings of the apostles. That's what it means. Things that the apostles, this is what the title would say. These are the things that the apostles did. Okay. 
Now, somebody put that on there at some point, and the church has accepted that in every generation, and I'm not quibbling with it, but yet it still, the title suggests that Luke is going to give us at least some of the things that all the apostles did. And that misrepresents this letter. Because Luke only tells us a little bit about what the apostle Paul and, the, and, and Peter. And Paul wasn't even in that apostle list we read. So he only tells us a little bit about Peter's being an apostle. Okay? Are you with me? It gives a brief mention of the day of Pentecost. A brief mention of, of you know, the martyrdom of James and of Stephen. It gives us just a little bit about the beginning of the church in Jerusalem. Just a little bit. But it in no way, I mean, he completely leaves out Matthew and Bartholomew and Thomas and, and, and tells us absolutely nothing even about what Peter did when he was in Babylon. We know Peter went to Babylon, but he doesn't say anything. We know that the gospel, we know that these 12 apostles, we know from historical accounts and from credible, uh, reasonable information that, that, that the gospel of Jesus Christ was taken to Syria during this same period. We know it was taken to, to Babylon. We know it was taken to uh, North Africa. We know it was taken, uh, you know, uh, 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 to, 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 you know, many places, you know, Britain. It was taken to many places, but yet, uh, you know, Luke doesn't tell us anything about the acts of the apostles. He tells us what Peter did. And then when Paul gets on the scene, he tells us what Paul did. And he doesn't even tell us about their death. Hello. He doesn't even tell us how you know, I mean, John gets an honorable mention in the book of Acts from having showed up in Samaria and prayed for people to receive the Holy Spirit who had already been born again through the, 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 uh, uh, through the preaching of the evangelist Philip. Now, me telling you this is not intended to forever cast a shadow on the Acts of the Apostles, Okay. It is for reason that we need to understand that Almighty God did so much more than could ever be recorded in this simple, small, carry-around, in-pocket-size Bible. In fact, the Word says that if all the books in the world were put together, they would not be able to contain all the things that God did. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us of the martyrdom of, 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 of you know, these, these men. How they gave their life. You know, they were, you know, uh, we don't know. The book of Acts was not intended by the Holy Spirit nor by Luke to be an exhaustive commentary on everything God did in that first hundred years. That makes sense? But God did intend to give us a picture of what he can do through the lives of men and women who will commit their lives to him and submit their lives to him and be willing to go through their daily life being a light unto the world, being salt, caring and loving and sharing. This book and the book of Acts this Bible and the book of Acts is the word of almighty God. Okay. The acts of the apostles may not be the word of God. <laughs> Just the title. 
Are you with me? Okay. It's important to note that. Okay. When it says Luke or it says Matthew, okay, that, that's, that may or may not have been, you know, well, you know, what I'm trying to say is that God knows exactly what we need. He gave us what we needed. And when man adds to what God gives us, it can create some confusion. It can create some misunderstandings. It's very important. I mean, my Bible says the Acts of the Apostles. If I were going to name this, I would name it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. But then it wouldn't be exhaustive still. So let's begin reading the book of Acts because neither Luke nor God intended for this to tell the whole story, but he intended for it to be enough as we put it together with everything else for it to all come out and make us more than able more than conquerors. But there are things that we know took place that we do not have record of. Okay? When the, when the Apostle Peter wrote, for example, and said that he was writing his letter from Babylon, well, I don't find that in the book of Acts. Do you guys? Don't let it confuse you. Okay? It was not intended to be exhaustive. It was not intended by God. It is the word of God. It is not only inspired by God. But let me tell you something. When, when the Holy Spirit looked around to find someone and to call someone who would bring a record to what Jesus did in his earthly life and ministry and what he continued to do through these apostles in the first century, then the Holy Spirit called the perfect man named Luke. And... Luke answered the call. It's possible that we would have more if more people had answered the call. I know that more people would come to Christ if more of us would answer the call and follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So let's pick up now where we left off last week. Have I succeeded in confusing everyone? Okay. Acts 1, we read verse 1 and 2 last week. The former account I made, the former letter I wrote, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandment to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Here Luke has done his research, and here he is offering to Theophilus the reality that Jesus is continuing to work. He showed himself alive, and what he did is he gave many infallible proofs after he was resurrected and he began to teach from his resurrected body. He began to teach these apostles concerning and pertaining to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Wow, he spent 40 days teaching the apostles about the kingdom of God. Why? Well, partly because they weren't listening for the three and a half years. I have a feeling that his resurrection kind of opened their ears. What do you think? 
I think what they went through with his death and his burial, with the crucifixion and the scourging and with the beating and with, with all of the things, with the denying him and, and all the other things and with the doubting and with not believing, I think whenever he walked through those locked doors, I think the following when he walked back through, I think when he appeared to them on the Sea of Galilee, I think him walking and talking with them for 40 days, I think they opened up their ears a little bit more. I think they were a little bit more ready to hear. And he began to talk to them about the kingdom of God, the things pertaining to the kingdom. What in the world is the kingdom? We talk about the kingdom of God all the time. The kingdom of God, the Bible says that the kingdom of God in, in, in Luke 17, he'd already told them about the kingdom. In verse 20, he'd said, the kingdom does not come with observation because they'll, they'll, they'll ask him in a moment, well, are you going to set up your kingdom at this time? He had already told them in Acts the 17th chapter that the kingdom of God does not come with observation. You're not going to see it with your eyes. You're not going to experience the kingdom of God as though it were set on the earth in this day. This is not a kingdom now message. I do not believe in a kingdom now message. This is not the kingdom now. Jesus is not ready today to become king of this earth in a natural sense, in an oversight sense in which he sits on a throne on the earth today. That's not where we're at right now. And he's telling them things pertaining to the kingdom that is not for this time that type of kingdom. For the kingdom of God that I'm telling you about does not come with observation. He also tells them in, in, in Luke 17, in the next verse, in verse 21, he says, the kingdom of God is within you. He began to tell them about things pertaining to the kingdom. He began to tell them about what was in them. He began to tell them as, as, as the book of Acts begins, as the acts of this Holy Spirit begin, as Luke begins to, to write under the inspiration, under the direction of Almighty God, inspired and directed by the Holy Spirit to write down words that would be meaningful to Theophilus, but also words that would be meaningful to every generation, that the power of God would be released with these words. He began first to talk to them about the kingdom. Luke began to say that Jesus is talking to the disciples after his resurrection. He spent those precious 40 days telling them of things pertaining to the kingdom. He had already told them in Luke 17, 21, that the kingdom is in you. So what was he doing? He was telling the disciples what was already resident inside of them, what they got when they got born again, what they got when they believed in Jesus. People are living so far beneath what God has for them because the kingdom of God is within you. It's powerful. It's mighty. It's everything God's got. Everything the Bible says was yes and amen in Christ. God was in Christ and Christ is in you. Therefore, all the promises of God are yea and amen in you. There's a kingdom in you. It's not coming with observation. Whether you see things moving or whether you don't, there is a kingdom on the inside of you. There is a, a king on a throne of your life when you get born again. And there is a kingdom that is wanting to shine out of you. It is the kingdom of Almighty God. What is a kingdom? A kingdom is a dumb that has a king. It is a king's dumb. You're the dumb, he's the king. What is a dumb? It's a domain. It's a dominion. It's where a king has dominion. It's a place that a king reigns over. It's a king's property. It's a king's asset. It's a, it's a, a king owns this. It's a king's kingdom. 
a king's domain, a king's dominion. That's on the inside. You know what's on the inside of me because I got born again? There is a king in here and I am his dumb. I am his domain. He has dominion. That's called lordship. He has dominion over me. It's inside of us. The kingdom of God, the Bible says, as the Apostle Paul was writing in Romans 14, 17, he tells us what we should be experiencing because the kingdom of God is in us. Romans 14, 17, he says that the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Because the king lives in me and because his kingdom is in me, even though I do not see it out here because his kingdom does not come with observation, his kingdom is inside of me. Because of that, then I should be experiencing in here, maybe not out here, but in here, Righteousness, I should be right with God on the inside. Righteous, I've been cleansed from all unrighteousness because there's a holy king on the inside of me. And all things are of God who hath reconciled me to Christ Jesus because God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. I am his dumb. I have righteousness, imputed righteousness. It's not by the works of my righteousness, but by his grace alone. He who knew no sin was made to be sin that I might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. I have been made righteous. In here is righteousness. I'm right with, my soul is right with God. Woo, that's pretty good stuff. The king is on the throne of my heart and my soul is right with peace. There is a peace that passes all understanding. It's peace to have. It's peace to give. It's, it's the peace of God. When the peace of God is not in here, you're not recognizing the kingdom. You're not experiencing the kingdom on the inside of you. All the world may be in trouble and tribulation and worry. It doesn't mean that sadness doesn't come. It doesn't mean that frustration and aggravation may not impinge upon us. But even above all of that, there is a peace that flows like a river, the king of peace is on the inside. You know, I may not like it, it might hurt, and I, but nonetheless, I will be left with a peace of God and joy. A joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. Not a happiness, you can't be happy about everything, but there is a joy on the inside of us, a wellspring, springing up unto life, the Bible says. The Bible talks about man, Matthew 13, verse 44, that the kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field. If you continue to read that parable, you'll find that the man went and sold everything he had. He did not buy the treasure. You can't buy the treasure. He sold everything he had, read the parable, and went and bought the field. You see, treasures are dug out of the field. He worked the field for it to reveal his treasure. You know, the kingdom of God is a little bit of work. Just a little bit of, you know, you got, you got to put a little bit into it. You can buy the field and the, and, and, and the treasure. The treasure of God's will for your life is in the field of God's will for your life. It's in the field. Jesus also said in Matthew 18 that unless you are willing to receive Jesus as a little child, unless you're willing to humble yourself, and come to him as a little child, you will in no wise enter into the kingdom. 
You'll never have righteous peace and joy. You'll never get into the kingdom if you can't humble yourself as a little child with a little humility and recognize that you need him and just trust him like a little child.